0: I am to make defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time, and if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion— I lived as a Pharisee, and now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme, since I was terribly enraged at them. I pursued them even to foreign cities. I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and, the, and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. And do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I have had help from God. And I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place. That the Messiah must suffer. And that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, yeah, you guys can grab a seat. Well, good morning. My name is Brett Kinberg, and uh, I'm the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. And uh, I get the opportunity and the privilege this morning to continue on in our series called Ashes to ashes. Oh, look, the slides are working again. It's awesome. Um, so as as we continue on in this, uh, I wanted to say thanks to Lane. I, I love following Lane because he he like lays out beautiful context and history behind all of this. So I don't feel like I have to get into all of the history um, behind Ash Wednesday and or I mean be, behind Lent and and everything that we're that we're focusing on through this series. Um, but what I am going to be talking about today, if you're taking notes, is I'm going to be talking about repentance and freedom. We're going to be looking at what what does repentance look like in a person's life and how does it actually cause us to be free? This is, this is, this is the question that I want, to, want you to kind of like let it, let it simmer, let it rum tumble around in the back of your mind um, while we're going through this message. Because the truth about repentance is that it does enable us to walk in freedom. But the question that we have to ask is, why? What does that look like? So today, as we begin to dive into this, I'm going I'm to first go back to what we learned last week. Last week, Pastor Lane talked about grief and lament. And he gave us these really cool slides that I stole, and I said, okay, I want those for me too. Um, so when we look at sin... And this cycle of sin that all of us have in our life. We look at how sin creates harm. Whether to ourself or to others, sin in and of itself begins to generate harm. And harm then leads us into brokenness. And this is the brokenness of humanity. This is the brokenness of human beings. As as we go through life and, and, and we begin to experience harm, we become broken. The problem is, is we don't want to acknowledge the brokenness. We want to avoid. We want to numb. And when we do that, it leads us back into cycles of sin, which, which then continues this cycle. And it runs again and again and again until we learn that there are some off ramps from this. The first one, and this is what Lane preached on last week, the first off ramp to this is when this slide. Well, okay, it might have frozen again, but... Um, the first off-ramp to this is grief. There it is. Okay, so when, when we can grieve our brokenness as humanity, when we can actually, instead of avoiding or numbing the brokenness in our life, when we can actually acknowledge it, it begins to let us off-ramp from this process of sin, the cycle of sin. The other thing that, that allows us to off-ramp from this is Repentance. And that's why we're going to spend the rest of this morning talking about this idea of repentance. We'll, 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 we'll break into a few things on this, but I want you to know this good news. The good news is this, that God has designed each and every one of us here today. God knows you. He designed you. He formed you in your mother's womb, as it says in Psalms. And so he knows what breaks you, and he gave it a name. He called it sin. Sin is the very thing that breaks us and separates us from Him. And so this idea, this hope of repentance is that we could escape the thing that is breaking us today as we acknowledge it, as we grieve it, as we lament it, and as we repent from it. So I'm going to give you a roadmap um, of, of where we're going to go today in our message. First thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about humanity we're going to talk about who are we as humans right the the, the tendency that we have to wander as humanity we, we we have this this brokenness that's in us so I'm glad they gave me a three hour timer because I'm going to talk about all of humanity good your way Hey, good job all right yeah no I'm not going to be in here for three hours you guys will get your lunch I promise um, so we're going to talk about humanity. The second thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the transformation that happens when we encounter Jesus. What, what happens on the inside of a believer when they go from unbelieving to believing, when they experience that, that, that transformation of getting to know Jesus. Third thing we're going to talk about is the ability to walk right by the grace of God. It's a beautiful thing. And the last thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the true source of freedom in our life. But before we dive into this and before we shift into gear, let's take a pause and let's invite Holy Spirit to come into this place and minister to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. God, an opportunity to share and speak your word, the words of life. God, I'm so grateful that that your words carry a power in them that I do not have. Your words are words of transformation and hope and healing. Father, I thank you that as much study and as much preparation as I've put into this, God, it means nothing unless Holy Spirit shows up and makes those words come alive to your people. So I'm asking, Father, today that that you would be with us that you would cause these words to come alive on the inside of every person in this auditorium. And those that are listening within the sound of my voice online, God, I pray that your word would begin to come alive in them like it has never come alive before. God, I'm asking for your grace this morning. And I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's dive in. First thing we're going to talk about, who are we as humans? Um, this this obviously is a very rich history. Um, as we look in Genesis, we look at God creating humanity in the very beginning, right? On the sixth day, He created man. He puts them in the garden. He forms them from the dust of the ground. He breathes life into them, and then He looks at this creation. And he says, it's so good. What I've made is so good. It's beautiful, and so, when God creates man, He puts him in the garden, He has a design and a purpose. And that design and that purpose is for us to be in relationship with God, right? That we would walk with God in the cool of the day, that, that we would have heart to heart, right? We would have that conversation that, that, that we know one another. And this was God's hope and His desire for, for humanity. And the problem is, is that man decided and and was deceived into believing that there was something more than a relationship with God. I mean, come on, we're talking about the creator of the universe, right? But man thought, no, there's, there's something he's keeping from me. I want something more. I want something that I can taste. I want something that I can experience in a different way. When the enemy came and he deceived Adam in the very beginning, Adam's heart turned from the idea that God has my best interest in mind and he believed the lie that there's something else that i can have outside of a relationship with god and the brokenness of sin entered into humanity we thought that there was more than a relationship with god and so we see this brokenness of humanity go down through the generations we see all of these events unfold throughout humanity and it happens over and over again until we get to this, this place where there are these 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 tribes have been taken into captivity and God looks down on them. He says, these are my people. These are the ones that I've chosen and I want relationship with them. So what does he do? He frees them from slavery through miracles, right? He comes in, all the plagues happen and God delivers his children of Israel from Egypt. He says, we get to go be together and have heart-to-heart conversations again. And so he brings them out into the wilderness, and what happens? They follow God into the wilderness. They're excited because they just got liberated from slavery. They follow God out into the wilderness, and the moment they get out there, they go, but, but back in Egypt, we had like really good food. We had good soup. We had good meat. We had good bread, and out here we have, well, what is it? It's it, okay, it's food, but you know, that's the literal translation of manna. So we had one person laugh who knew who knew his theology. Thank you. Um, and, and so they get out in the wilderness, and the problem is, is God is asking them to come have relationship with him again, right? He's calling them away, saying, I want to have relationship with you. And they say, Okay, we'll have relationship with you, but we're hungry. Okay, we'll have relationship with you, but we're thirsty. And they keep doing this thing that, that the Bible talks about in, in Hebrew, the word to repent means to shuv, or, or the literal translation is to shuv, which means to turn and face in an opposite direction, okay? And so they shuv and they follow God, but then they shuv and they turn back to the way that they knew how to do things. Even though it was broken and it separated them from God, they wanted that Rather than relationship with God. And so we see the brokenness of humanity continue to perpetuate throughout generation after generation after generation. And God gave them, He gave them a covenant that gave them opportunity to have relationship with Him, but they would constantly turn from that covenant and be rebellious and turn their hearts away from Him. And so finally we see Paul and he says, I am one of these people. I grew up among Israel. I grew up in in, in a a school where I understood the strictest laws of our community. I knew how to do it right. I knew how to live right. I knew how to talk right. I knew how to check every box. I knew, knew how to cross every T, dot every I. That was me. But the problem was, is he still didn't have God's heart. So much so that we look at his life. And 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 as he's recounting his story of his interaction with Jesus, he says that as I I came into this this sorry, as, as he's going through his story, as he's talking about who he was, he begins talking about how he was persecuting Christians. Why? Because he was trying to live according to the laws that had been generated by man so that they could live according to what they understood, what they knew, and what they could control. And this is humanity. This is who we all are. We all find ourselves in this place sometimes, right? See, we, we, we try and do it in, in our own strength, in our own understanding. We are still prideful today. We try and create systems that make us feel right because we can check the boxes. But our heart is not with God. And God's asking us to come with Him. And, and, and He's inviting us into an encounter with Him. And so that brings us to our next point. What happens when we actually come in contact with Jesus? Right? The reason I had Lane read this entire story is because I needed us to see what what we look like in humanity before Christ. It is a man-made way of trying to be right and do right rather than recognize that He already did everything we have need of. We come into this encounter, right? So... So we read in verse 15, he asks, "Who are you, Lord?" After, after Jesus speaks from this light, he recognizes that this is the Lord. This is the one, the the hope of our of all of our 12 tribes. All of the study and the culmination of all of my life is pointing to this person. He looks, at and he says, "Who are you, Lord?" He didn't even know who God was. Why? Because he'd been doing all of the stuff, but he never had a relationship. And so he experiences this moment where Jesus introduces himself and he says, I am Jesus whom you have been persecuting. How often in our lives, how often do we find ourselves striving to get everything right? Doing everything in our ability to live right and to look right. And then we, and then we find ourselves in a broken world. That has a cancel culture. That, that, that has a culture of outrage. Where we want righteousness, but we want it to look our way. Not God's way. See, they don't have God's heart. See, there's an actual miracle that takes place in this moment. Paul's, all of his rightness, all of his righteousness, comes to the end of him and encounters Jesus. And Jesus takes that heart of stone and he crushes it. But the miracle that happens is that when Jesus crushes that heart, it doesn't, it doesn't deteriorate and dissolve and disappear. He crushes it and He gives it back to Him and it's made flesh. It's no longer this calloused heart of stone on the inside of Paul that causes him to agree when people are being murdered. It is now with this soft heart that has experienced Jesus. This is what happens when we repent from our sin, when we when we recognize that we've been trying to do it our own way for so long and we actually experience the goodness of Jesus, something happens on the inside of it. We sang about it this morning. The way maker, the miracle worker. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. When I don't see it, you're moving, you're here, you're wanting to do something. And when we actually open our eyes and recognize that he's standing right in front of us, offering us this opportunity for him to take our heart and to break apart all of the calluses and the roughness and the stone that is who we are before we are introduced to him. And then he gives it back and it's healthy and it's vibrant and it feels again. When that cycle of sin breaks, we become something new. We become a new creation through repentance. Sin no longer has an ability to cause harm when we repent. Why? Because we take it and we give it to that encounter with Jesus and we say, you did it. You've done enough. And this leads us to our next point, which is the ability to walk right by the grace of God. See, Paul comes through this this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says of Paul, I'm going to have you be a servant of mine. I'm going to have you be a witness to all of these people, right? He says,